Well, last week, uh, Pastor Craig spoke about our Christian life and our walk with Jesus, especially about the results of being spiritually immature and easily deceived. He expanded on two different examples from our scripture passage, and the first was that we are no longer to become or no longer to be like infants. Oh, infants, they are so cute. They're cuddly, and uh, and they're you know, but they're little. They can't do a whole lot. They can't say much at all. But they're so cute. But we're still not to be supposed to stay like that. We are required, the infants require a lot of care. They require a lot of nurturing from us. And so God says we are to grow. The second thing that he talked about was the fact that we are no longer to be tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. Now, I'm really sorry that you can't hear his message from last week because technology was having a very, very bad hair day last week. And so we just can't give it to you the way it was preached last week. But he did a wonderful job. And if you want to hear what else he had to say, go ahead and ask him later on. I'm sure he'd be delighted to tell you and expand upon it much, much later. Especially ask him about his experience of his short-lived experience, that is, of sailing on Lake Winnipesaukee. You just got to find it out. Today, we are going to be talking more about uh, our focus, and that is on verse 15 out of the chapter of 4 of, Exodus, of, of Ephesians. excuse me. And the verse goes like this. Instead of speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect and every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Now, this is a very, very short section of a very, very long sentence that Paul loves to speak in long, long sentences. And yet, it is one of great, great significance. The points today that I'm going to be talking about are speaking, truth, love, and the why of it. Let me start, start not with speaking, but I want to start with the truth. We'll come back to speaking later on because I think at least most of us have that down pretty well, the art of speaking. People open their mouths and things come out all the time. I hear people talking all the time. And maybe what we really need to do is to focus a little bit more on when and how to speak or when not to speak. But we're going to come back to that one in just a bit. But let's first look at truth. I would suspect that each and every one of us, since we were probably as little and smaller than the kids that just left here, were instructed about the importance of truth. And it is so amazing to me how every single parent seems to have a very uncanny way of knowing when their children are telling the truth and when they are not. Now, I won't ask for a show of hands of how many of you had, I don't know if they still do this nowadays, but had your mouth washed out with soap? Or you were sent to your rooms. I never did have soap in my mouth, but fortunately. But I was sent to my room a couple of times because I didn't tell the truth or didn't tell the whole truth. Not nearly as many as my brother, but I was sent there as well. In our courtrooms today, all witnesses are asked and required to swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And when we look in the dictionaries or we Google it to define, well, what is truth anyway? Truth is something like this. They, this. These are some of the definitions. All of the facts 
about it rather than things that are implied or imagined. The qualities of being true, genuine, actual, or factual. Something that is true as opposed to being something that is false. The truth is proven. It is a verified principle. It is a statement. It is a fact. And it is the facts that matter in truth. Truth is not a rumor. It is not hearsay. It is not something that we assume. It is not something that we just make up. In other words, to use and define the definition of truth, it is genuineness, it is honesty as opposed to something that is false, it is even the opposite of falsehood, it is accuracy, it is reliability, it is the quality of being true. All of these things help us to define and to get to a better, much better picture of what we mean when we say truth. And it seems that that same message holds true in scripture. Now let's take a look at love. Love is defined in our culture and our society is very different than how it is defined in scriptures. In our popular culture, in our literature, in our music, our advertising, in our visual arts, they use the word love to mean just about anything and everything except how the biblical interpretation and meaning is. Advertising would easily have us think that love is primarily only a feeling. It is something that we fall into and is something that we easily can fall out of. We equate love with lust or sexual desires or even physical forms of intimacy. We love a restaurant even, just as much as we might love a good book. Some of us love cruising, or some of you love cruising. I personally love being on a beach. I like the ground underneath me. Culture tells us that we can, we can buy love. And that we can fall in love with a car, a game, a beverage, or the latest and the fanciest of the gadgets. But when we accept this idea as truth, that these things and these experiences are what love is, then we become what we talked about last week. We become the infants. We become tossed in the waves. We become tossed on the waves of culture and the false teachings that are put before us. When we look at the biblical interpretation and the biblical meaning of love, we are referring to agape love. Most of us, and I think that one of the most famous parts and chapters in the whole scripture that talks about love is 1 Corinthians 13. And indeed, as we read through those verses, it helps us to define what love is. And it begins by saying that love is more important than any of all of the spiritual gifts. It is more important than all of them. Paul goes on to make the point that without love, all of the other spiritual gifts are absolutely worthless. Not just some of them, but all of them. To emphasize this, Paul uses the illustration of a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal to drive home the point that the gifts of the tongues without love leave just a very, very hollow hollow reverberation. In 1 Corinthians 13, Paul gives us some examples and uses words to describe what love is and what love is not. 
Love is not boastful. And here he is talking about and emphasizing the negative aspect of boasting or bragging about oneself. Love is not proud. And when he speaks of that, he's literally talking about the fact that love is not something that is all puffed up. Look at me. Look at me. Nor is love rude. Instead, love is patient. It is long-suffering. Love protects. It bears all things. It puts up with annoyances. It endures. Love is selfless. It seeks the good of one another. And it seeks the good of the other first over myself. In Christ, God has shown us and demonstrated love. When Christ died on the cross for us, when Christ took our sins away, and when Christ evaporated all that we had ever done wrong, and when Christ invited us into that personal relationship with him, this kind of love, this agape love, models for us through what Jesus has already done for us. And this is the centerpiece of the Christian ethic. For the way that God has worked in our lives, that is how we are to model and give it back and do to others. Throughout scripture, love is, first of all, it is an action. It is unconditional commitment. It is a promise that will never be broken. That is what God says love is. And that is what God demonstrates to each of us, what love is. Instead of saying, instead of God saying something like, Diane, you are just an absolutely total screw up. How many times must I forgive you for doing not different things, but the very same thing that I forgave you for yesterday? How many times? But instead what God does is God demonstrates great selfless love. And calls me by name. And calls you by name. And showers you and me with love and forgiveness over and over and over and over again. Even though I don't deserve it. Even though you don't deserve it. Still, God offers us love. God's agape love for me and for us, is a model. The example of how we are to treat one another. But all too sadly, some Christians destroy their opponent in person and in print. They come out with fists clenched, and they come out swinging. In an age in which demands, you know, that we are demanding one's rights... It is considered, that is oftentimes considered a virtue in our culture today, that my rights are over and above your rights. And yet we need to continue to go back to the scripture. We need to continue to go back to 1 Corinthians. We need to continue to go back to Ephesians. We need to continue to go back to the word of God to read and to be reminded over and over again that God and love Our love from God is not self-seeking or self-serving. And that is what we are called to speak, the love in truth. So what do we mean when we talk about speaking the truth in love? Well, as I said, speaking 
we have that down pretty well. We're taught from the littlest of kids how to speak, and our parents encourage it. Everybody encourages it. That They speak, we respond. They make a sound, we try to respond back to that. Most of us understand how to do that. We open our mouths, and like I say, words just come tumbling out. And sometimes our brain is engaged, and sometimes it just isn't. Sometimes, and sadly, sometimes the words that come out should not. And I have a phrase that says, oops, was that my, my out loud voice speaking this time? I meant to keep it in here. But when we are called to speak the truth in love, there are some questions that we need to be keeping in mind for ourselves every single day. Are there times when we should not speak? Are there times when the most loving thing that we can say is very, very little or even nothing at all? We must always ask ourselves, what is the motivation that I have in speaking this truth of love? Is it to correct Yet even sometimes this idea of making someone correcting something that is wrong has this edginess to it. Because the intent may be correct. I want to correct what is wrong. I want to correct a, be- correct a behavior that is wrong and it is, it, is, it is hurtful. But the motivation may be anything other than loving. It is coming, is, and so the question that we have to keep asking ourselves, what is our motivation? Is it coming from a place of feeling superior over the other? I know more than they do. Is it coming from a place of envy or jealousy? Is it coming from a place of wanting to use power? Or even from a place that we have more financial superiority than someone else? What is our motivation? Is it coming from a place of sexual desire? Is it coming to trying to get back at somebody or even to seek revenge for something that they did to us? Now, if you've ever watched kids, you see that a lot. My brother and I, we did that a lot. I would hit him. Actually, he usually hit me first. He would hit me. I would hit him back. He would hit me harder. I would hit him. And it escalated until I was in tears and he was saying, what could I do? That is not how God wants us to treat one another. When we speak the truth in love, we must always ask ourselves, what is our motivation? Look deep down in our hearts. Remember that love is not self-seeking. It does not put my wants and my desires over and above that of somebody else. Ephesians 4, 29 states this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up, according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. The correct motivation for speaking the truth in love is in order to build up to build up that person, to build up the community, to bring about a sense of unity. 
many, many times when we think about telling the truth in love, what we mean is that we are trying to think of sharing something, a difficult truth, in a little bit more gentle or kind or inoffensive manner. And from the practical standpoint, we know that different things are best heard, difficult things are best heard when our own defenses and their defenses are not up. In a loving, non-threatening environment, hard truths are more readily received when their heart is open to receive. I believe it was the theologian John Stott who said that truth becomes hard when it is not softened by love. And love becomes soft when it is not strengthened by truth. All of the truth in the world, when it is not transmitted in the spirit of sensitivity, of compassion, it will likely fall on deaf deaf ears. And sometimes... Sometimes the most loving thing that, I, that we can say is nothing. It is to keep our mouths closed, to keep our ideas, to keep our opinions to ourselves. Sometimes it is to say very, very little. We're not in the courtroom. We don't have to say it all. Because the truth And there are a lot of things that you could say, all of them of which are true, would only hurt the other person, not build them up. It would only hurt the body of Christ, not to build the body of Christ up. And for what gain? Again, what is your motivation of doing that? Sometimes the most loving thing to do and to say is nothing. Since the first of the year, we have been walking and reading and preaching through the words of Ephesians chapter 4. And if you have not been reading these verses on a regular basis, I do challenge you, go back, start today, read those verses. And start by saying, God, what do you want to teach me today? What can I learn from these words today? Pray that you might have an openness to the leading of the Holy Spirit as God continues to work in you. And this is the why. This is the why that we're doing all of this. This is the why that we're talking about speaking the truth in love. The why, very, very simply, that you and I will grow to maturity, that we will not stay stuck in infancy or not stay in prolonged infancy or being a toddler or being thrown around by this and that and the other. The why, that we will build up one another in unity, not tear each other apart. That we will reflect God's love God's great and glorious love that being given that has been given so freely to each of us we didn't earn it we don't deserve it but it's given to us and now we have it to be able to give it back to someone else Christ modeled it for us we are to model it now for someone else and we are to give it back to somebody else just as freely as we have received it That is the why. 
That is the why we speak the truth in love, to build up one another in the same manner that God builds us up. Will you pray with me, please? Our gracious Heavenly Father, you have always demonstrated how you want us to treat one another, how you want us to follow you and do as you did. But God, we do confess again this day that it is not an easy task. So much of ourselves gets in the way day after day. Our pride, our egos are wanting to be right. Are wanting people to do it my way. But Lord God, you said, follow you. It's not our wants, God, but it is what you want us to do. And when we follow our own wants, our own needs, our own desires, they get in the way and we stumble and fall again and again and again. Lord God, you didn't, haven't given up on us yet. You speak the truth of love into each of our own hearts. You continue to love us still. Teach us again this day, God, so that we might also love one another. We pray this in your most holy name. Amen.